0: Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey man, thank you for listening to today's episode with Dr. Peter Malinowski. We are talking about the importance of experiential healing not just changing your thinking or changing your habits, but actually opening yourself up to have a healing experience and why that's so important. Then in the next two episodes, we are actually going to give you an example of what that looks like and what that feels like. So first, Dr. Peter will facilitate an inner experiential exercise for us next week. And then the following week, I am actually going to submit myself to this process using this amazing approach called internal family systems. Peter approaches this from a Christian perspective, specifically in the Catholic tradition, and he is amazing. Guys, you got to listen to this. It's really, really good. Enjoy the episode. Today on the show, I am joined by Dr. Peter Malinowski, who I'm so excited to introduce to everyone. I've really enjoyed getting to know you, and I can't wait for what we have in store. Peter is a clinical psychologist in private practice in Indianapolis, and he is also the founder of Souls and Hearts and the podcast Interior Integration for Catholics, I want to read a little section of peter's bio that i think is really helpful he says i'm particularly focused on unconscious psychological factors that thwart one's capacity to receive love from god and other people and to love god and others including the effects of trauma drawing from psychodynamic attachment interpersonal internal family systems and emdr approaches which is so so cool welcome (laughs) to the show peter
1: it is so good to be here, Drew. Thank you for having me on. I have been looking forward to this, so
0: you're welcome. What else do people need to know about you?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so I love the question because it goes right to the core of this stuff that we're going to be talking about today is identity. You know, you're essentially asking me, Who are you, right? What's your identity? And I can give you the standard demographic stuff. You know, I've been a psychologist for more than 20 years, married for 26 years, seven kids, grandfather of one. But if we go a little deeper, what are we going to get to? We're going to get to that I'm a passionate Catholic. I'm on a mission to ground human formation and a Catholic understanding of the human person. And I do that through my private practice, also online through Souls and Hearts, which you mentioned. I write a weekly reflection that's at soulsandhearts.com backslash blog. Um, I'm also a podcaster, as you mentioned. So we have that in common. So there's like a bond right there, right? Because we both do this, you know? Um, and so that's great. Um, so it's all about bringing the best. I'm all about bringing the best of psychology and human formation and grounding that in a, in a Catholic understanding, a Christian understanding of the human person. What I'm discovering, Drew, what I'm discovering, if we get to a deeper level, is that I am a beloved son of God, a beloved little son of God. Not just the son of God, but a beloved son of God. And that beloved, that holds the key for me, right? I know this intellectually. I know this from my early training. I know this from the, you know, from the Bible. I know this from, you know, the the kinds of teachings I've got, but to know it in my bones across all my parts, Drew, that's what I'm seeking, right? That's what I want for myself. That's what I want for other people. So I'm all about the salvation of hearts you know Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about the salvation of souls right salvation of souls but i'm about the salvation of the heart if you save the heart you'll save the soul too so Mm -hmm.
0: yeah amen and in addition to jesus saving us there's another really wonderful healing perspective that has also (laughs) helped us both called ifs
1: internal family systems absolutely
0: yeah It sounds like for both you and me, internal family systems and Christianity have both been so, so helpful, especially when we put them together.
1: I feel like as a clinician, and then when I work like in the resilient Catholic community or some of the other communities that I'm involved with, like, it's like I get to cheat. We've got like the, the, you know, the truth from divine revelation. Um, And then we have the best of this, Um, this, this approach that was really, um, really discovered phenomenologically by, by Richard Schwartz. And, you know, I think that's a very, um, uh, in a a Catholic with a little C, you know, meaning universal, it's a way to bring in the best of what's out there. You know, we want to find, you know, Richard Schwartz doesn't have to be Christian for him to discover really good things. Watson and Crick, the discoverers of DNA, really anti-Catholic, um, anti-Christian, um, but we still believe in the double helix structure of DNA. So I'm really about like drawing from the best of what God is offering us through whatever means he chooses. And I don't doubt that Richard Schwartz could be an instrument in the hands of God to bring something really good to the, to the, to the yeah. world. So
0: absolutely. As I was taught at Wheaton college, all truth <laughs> is God's truth.
1: Exactly exactly and can we be open enough to that you know and can we be you know can we can we can we bring in the fullness of what god's offering us you know so so i think ifs is a huge a huge door opening you know mind blowing way of uh, understanding the human person so
0: absolutely yeah. and one of my favorite things about it is that it's experiential
1: yes yes
0: what do we mean by that
1: all right. So experiential, let's get into that. Cause it's learning by experience. Now my grade school teachers would be like, you can't define a word, you know, with the word itself, right? Learning by experience, experiential. All right. All right. Right. Mrs. Stecker, I hear you. Um, it's not just knowledge in our head, not just what's going on in our, in our, in our mind. Um, there are so many things that we know in our heads, but we don't know in our hearts, that we don't know in our bones.
0: For example, that I am God's beloved son.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. Perfect example, right? We want to know that with every fiber of our being, every fiber of our being. Luke 10, 27, our Lord tells us, second great, uh, the great commandment, right? Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Two things here. Look at this. He says, first of all, all your heart, not just with some of your heart, not just with some of your parts, but with every fiber of your being. So this means that it's got to be integrated into all of who we are. And the other thing is that he leads with the heart. He doesn't lead with the soul. You look at this in all three gospels, right? Let me count this. It always starts with the heart. Right, so that's critically that's critically important. The soul is really important, but I think that this is really about the heart. I think this is really about the natural level that we're working with within internal family systems. And like John the Baptist, we want to prepare the way for the Lord, and so that means shoring up that natural foundation for the 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 life of love in, in, with God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, yes. In other words if I'm understanding you correctly, if you want to know with every fiber of your being that you are God's beloved son, mm-hmm. it's going to take more than cerebral information dispensing.
1: <laughs> Some of the toughest clients I've ever had have had their doctorates in theology and philosophy. They've tried to substitute. There's actually psychologically a term for this. Um, you know, there's this, 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 there's this way that we try to 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 substitute, it's called compensation, right? Um, Where you compensate for a lack of love in relationship with studying love, right? And imagine this, imagine a psychologist, imagine a psychologist who had studied everything there was to study about love, had read all the books, looked at the studies, read all the theories, you know, all the different models of love and so forth, but never had a love relationship with anyone how how much would that psychologist really understand about love right all up in the head and so when we approach this question of you know pornography masturbation sexual sins of various kinds and i just love that you have a podcast that's focused on this very specific issue when we when we when we approach this we often come at it with just a few of our parts way up in our head Mhm. <laughs> Instead of a whole person approach, something that takes into consideration the entirety of the person.
0: Yeah, it kind of feels like my body is the problem, my sexuality <laughs> is the problem, and I just need to get my brain to be the solution.
1: Just need to get my brain and if I can only will the strength of my will, Drew. Is going to be what overcomes this? Well, <laughs> who is the only one that can just will and it's done? right? God. God, right? So there's an element of pride in believing that I can just will it. this this reaching for omnipotence is reaching for a kind of divinity. And what we're we're not called to to act in that way. We are called to resist temptations. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the will isn't involved, but I'm saying we also have to be small enough to recognize how much we need to be loved, how much we need to be healed, how much we need grace, how much we need a loving father, and how much we need our Redeemer, the Lord, how much we need the Holy Spirit and all of this. So
0: Amen. And to say that I need God is not to say that I don't need healing experiences. (laughs) No. uh -uh. Today, we are going to hopefully facilitate some healing experiences for you who are listening. And this is just a very different approach than the typical approach of fighting for purity. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as achieving versus receiving instead of trying so hard to be free or trying so hard to heal, which is achieving, instead letting go and receiving the love and acceptance and affirmation and beauty and goodness that we are created
1: to receive. Yes. If we under if if we understood our identity, this would be so much easier.
0: Yeah, understood it in our hearts. <laughs> you yes, know?
1: yes, um, yes. If
0: I could not just know God loves me, but feel it, what a difference that would make. And it comes from having an experience.
1: That's right. What is What does our Lord tell us, right? Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Taste and see. You know, this is like really visceral. This is like really like bodily, like really primal, right? It's not just consider it, think about it. You know, there the, the, the different points in the scripture. It says that, right? You know, whatsoever things are good, think on these things and so forth. But, but taste and see, St. Paul reiterates that in Hebrews too. In Hebrews, I think it's chapter six. Taste and see. Because God is love, St. John telling us that. He wants us to be in a loving relationship. He doesn't want us to try on our own to overcome these things in the hope that we will be good enough for him to tolerate us. Mm -hmm. Right. So many of the times I call this a power spirituality or a macho spirituality where you're just going to overcome it by your will. You know, a lot of the different approaches that are focused on virtue training and, and will training and things like that. They neglect that Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God is made up of such as these, right? We have to be humble about this because God just doesn't want you to not masturbate and look at porn. He wants so much more than that. And if you won't pay attention to that, he might not just make the porn go away. He wants more than that. And if that's what you think your only problem is, um, what would happen if you were able to resolve it with none of the other things taken care of? So God actually wants, wants all of you, all, all of you in ways that you can't even imagine all your, all your parts, all your inner lepers, all your inner prostitutes, all your inner tax collectors, all the lost sheep that are within you, all of it, all of it. And, um, and so if we just get really narrowly focused on the whole, did I masturbate? Did I look at porn? Did I not? How long has it been? Did I pray hard enough to get over that? I mean, if we get caught up in that, we are uh, going to be like a hamster on that little tread, you know, that little treadmill, right? Or that little mm-hmm. wheel, just spinning, 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 yeah. spinning. We need to break out of that. And the way that we do that is is two. there's two things we need. One is we need the experience of tasting and seeing the goodness of the Lord. And the second thing is that we need faith. That's what we need on the spiritual realm. Okay. On the, on the, on the, uh, and and grace and grace, but on the natural realm, we need a way to start like reorganizing, like what's going on inside of us right? We need a way to start thinking about how do we love ourselves? How can we be gentle with ourselves? How can we hear ourselves? How can we, you know, kind of become more integrated inside? Um, And so it's a two-pronged approach. Mm
0: -hmm. And what I love about this episode is we're not just going to talk about it. We're actually going to do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you are game. You were like, you know, let's, let's do an experiential exercise. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. Like, On the air. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great.
0: So, Peter, what is an inner experiential exercise?
1: I think about it in terms of attachment. You know, we mentioned attachment theory right at the top of the hour, right when we were beginning. And, you know, Richard Swartz talked about how internal family systems is attachment taken inside. What I'm hoping for when we do an experiential exercise, what they're oriented toward is. The five basic primary attachment needs that we all have. This comes from Brown and Elliot, their 2016 book on attachment disturbances in adults. They've combed through the literature. They looked at these five things that we all need in terms of the attachment, in terms of a secure attachment. The first is that there be a felt sense of safety and protection, a felt sense. It can't just be safe. It can't just be protected. A felt sense of it you know the second is that there be um is that there be this uh, sense of being seen heard known and understood seen heard known and understood that's my paraphrasing of theirs the third is that there be a way that uh, there can that that you can be calmed that you can be reassured that you can be soothed the fourth is that there's a sense this is the tough one a felt sense of being cherished treasured delighted in All right. that's the that's a really tough one for a lot of people that's the tough one for a lot of people i was talking about this with a psychologist friend of mine dr peter martin so difficult to get there for so many of us for so many parts and that's the thing the fifth one let me say the fifth one real quick and that is a sense that that the other person has your best interest at heart that they will your highest good but yeah, that feeling cherished, that feeling treasured, that feeling delighted in, that one, um, and all the other ones too, want to be able to experience that across all our parts. And so, uh, so one approach to that is often, well, we just start with God. I get this a lot. Um, From certain kinds of Catholic uh, uh, members of the RCC, for example, resilient Catholics community or clients, it's popular in some evangelical circles, we're just going to bring all of ourselves to God right away, you know, and you got to remember, it's, (laughs) that's a frightening That's a frightening prospect for so many parts because of how they see God, how they've made sense of their experience, what they've projected onto God. And, you know, just going and seeing God is no small thing. Remember when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he had to wear a veil over his face because the Israelites were just so blinded by the radiance that came from that. So God often wants to start because he's gentle. He wants to start inside of us. He wants our parts to feel his love through our innermost self. In other words, we've got to have this mediated experience of God. We can't just start eating the meat, you know, when we're, (laughs) when we're, when we're, when we're we're so small and young in our parts, right? Um, And also there's one thing here, even in his omnipotence, God cannot love you instead of you. You can't just delegate the love that you need to have for your own parts to anybody else because your parts need to be loved by you. And yes, they need the love of God and yes, they need you know, the love of other people and the people that God sends in your life to love you. But if you don't love you, that's really, really problematic. <laughs> and so, um, so that's often where we start. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about how we have to be able to love ourselves in order to be able to love anybody else
0: and for some of us that sounds like common sense and for some of us it sounds anti-christian christian
1: absolutely yeah like that's like no wait a minute you're supposed to turn away from yourself aren't you supposed to hate yourself you know the latin is despicere it sometimes gets translated as as to hate but it really means to turn away from and if and and this is the thing if your own, if your own internal system is ordered, if it's running well, in other words, if there's love there, then you can turn away from yourself. I think about this in terms of castles, right? Think of yourself as a castle. And if if the if there's revolution in the castle, if there's revolts, if there's, you know, if the prisoners are breaking out of the dungeon, if the place is on fire, it's very difficult to go on diplomatic missions to anybody else's castle. <laughs> yeah. You know, but if your own house is in order, if your own castle is in order, then you can begin to enter in and understand at a deep level what's happening in another person's life. Mm -hmm. That's why with therapists, I don't focus that much on therapeutic technique. When I'm doing supervision consultation, it's all about what is their human formation? Like where are their blind spots? Because they've rejected some parts of them because any part of you that you reject in you, you're going to reject in somebody else. Any part of you that you won't love, you won't love similar parts, counterparts in another person. And so uh, so this isn't just about some sort of navel gazing, I'm okay, you're okay, psychological day spa, light the aromatherapy candles. No, this is about training to be able to love other people. And St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this too. We're going to love others like we love ourselves. hmm <laughs> So, I want to be able to love the entirety of myself so that when I come across parts and other people, I had this happen with my 16 year old son. This is before I started to get into IFS. He was 16, he spun out on, on black ice on 465 here in Indianapolis in the wintertime. And I was disconnected, I had rejected the parts of me that experienced fear. There were some situations where I grew up where to be to be fearful was to be prey, and you did not want that. So I learned very quickly how to disconnect from fear, and I thought it was courage, but really it was just fearlessness, because I wasn't in touch with parts of me that carried fear. And so I couldn't be in touch with him and his fear. And I was more like, hey, you just got to get back in the car. You just got to get back and do it, man. I mean, we grew up in Wisconsin. There's snow, there's ice. You just put up with that. you know. It was not at all what he needed, not at all attuned. Because I wasn't in touch with my own fear, you know, and that's one of the great things that IFS helped me to do is to get in touch with the parts of me that carried fear and that had me react in various ways that were, uh, that really got in the way of loving other people Yeah, as well. So that's such a
0: vivid example. And, and we also do that to ourselves. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I once heard a man tell me when you, Reject or disown any part of you, that part of you moves far away to a distant place and then declares war.
1: (laughs) Not out of anger necessarily, but out of desperation, right? Mm. Because that part is trying to survive. And just like little kids will do anything to get attention, even negative attention is better than no attention. These parts are going to find ways to get our attention,
0: including and sexually, so,
1: including sexually. And so I look at these things. Yes, they're problems in their own right. Okay. Yes. They're, they, are they, so many of them could be sinful in their own right, but they're also symptoms, right? So I want to see what they're pointing back to. And in that sense, I don't want to just kill the symptom, you know, sort of like when you're driving along, like. Um, I'm old enough to where, you know, you would have these dash lights come up, you know, uh, on the car. And if you knew what fuses to pull in the older cars, you could make the dash light go off and the engine light will go off because you pulled the fuse, right? You've, but it didn't solve what, what what the problem was with the engine, right? You know? And so we, I actually believe that in a sense, and I want to be really careful here, not to see, to seem like I'm endorsing sinful behavior. All right. But in a sense, there's a way good can come from this in a way that we can get to the deeper issue. What is the need that some part of us is pursuing? What is the, the perceived good? All right. That a part is trying to to connect us to when there are these impulses toward masturbation or pornography, when there are um, these desires that come up, what, what is that? What are parts of us seeking for us? Because if we can find that out, if we can form a relationship with them, we can get them what they need Mm -hmm. without the problematic behaviors, Yeah, you know, and, and then, then we're in a so much better place than just playing whack-a-mole with our parts, right? Trying to suppress them, trying to, trying to, to, to just by the sheer force of will, you know, exile our parts and so forth. Um, it's a different approach, but but it's all it's all it's very frightening for those spiritual parts of us that really want to be good and that really mm-hmm. believe that this sort of stuff is absolutely intolerable, you know, and that you know could lead to our damnation. And so the, we're dealing with not just life and death, but spiritual life and death, conflicts among parts. Um, you know, it's not just this life, but uh, depending on where parts are with their beliefs about uh, damnation and hell and so on and so forth, this could be an existential crisis uh, that we need to be able to appreciate so this idea of working with all of our parts together uh, is revolutionary and it's very different than the um than the repress and suppress and the the fight for domination within among parts
0: all of this is really important and yet so far we've really just been talking about it which is why next week we're going to take it into an experiential exercise and give you a taste of what this actually looks and feels like,
1: you know, I, it's so important, though, Drew. I think it's really important that we did this conceptual work because there are parts of us who really care about us, who really care about us walking the the you know, the narrow road, you know, and want us to 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 want to really understand at an intellectual level that what we're offering, isn't all woo-woo and you know new age and it doesn't make sense like we want to be able to, to 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 do the preparatory work so that those parts of us that care so much about like keeping us uh on the straight and narrow that they can see that there's a rationale that this actually is conformable with what our Lord wants for us, that there is a way that these things can come together, that we don't have to reject, you know, IFS because, you know, the, the, the founder of it wasn't, wasn't Christian, you know, that there's, there's, that it makes sense, right? So I'm glad that we took the time we did to, um to, to, to actually flesh these things out. And, you know, I'm, I encourage parts that have questions to, um to be able to raise them. You know, to ask the hard questions, not to just, you know, surrender and, and say, okay, whatever, because, you know, there can be harm with that. So, so you know, so yeah, just to know that that, that is something, because I also have found that the most staunch critics of IFS approaches, you know, and, and the sort of uh, combination, the sort of uh, modifying IFS to, to conform with a Catholic understanding or a Christian understanding of the human person they become the biggest advocates often because they've had a sense of being loved. They had a sense of being heard. They had a sense of being known. They had a sense of being understood that they were taken seriously, you know? And then it was like, Oh, okay. You know, this makes sense. There was something I was misunderstanding, you know, or maybe my vision of the faith and God's grace was a little too narrow or something, you know, that kind of opens up some doors, you know? So,
0: And when you can feel seen, heard, accepted, safe, cherished, understood, and like there is goodwill for you, all those attachment needs, man, when those get met, it becomes so much easier (laughs) to unattach from pornography.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You know, there is a reason why this, um, why these things like pornography is just so so prominent, you know, where the desires can be so strong or the impulses can be so strong. There's a reason for that. There's a need, uh, that needs to be met. And so rather than, um, AA had this idea, right. 12-step programs knew this, like they had this concept of a dry drunk, um, you know, where it's somebody who stopped drinking alcohol, but they didn't get to what was driving it and so they were very difficult to live with very difficult to be in or you start looking for substitutes right i mean freud found that if you just knock out one symptom and he was using hypnosis to do it his his analysands the people he was working with would would find another symptom right why because if you wipe out one manifestation of a part's distress it's not just going to say, oh, "Okay, I guess I'm not going to I'm not going to try anymore." No, it's going to find another one, which is why I think so many of our most effective uh, psychotropic medications or psychiatric medications have so many side effects that can't be explained by the um by the chemically active, the neurochemically active ingredients in the drug. It's parts that have a symptomatic expression, the symptomatic expression is knocked out by the drug, right? Effective drugs can can have an impact that way. So some other expression comes up that's not neurochemically related to the effect of the drug, and it's called a side effect. And sometimes there's another drug that's administered, right? And so, you know, I'm not, I don't condemn psychiatric medications, you know, wholesale, but I want to make sure that if the symptom is being driven, if it's not just a purely medical thing or purely physical thing, but it's being driven by a part that we understand what that part's need is. Otherwise. You're playing whack-a-mole with symptoms, you know, Um, you know, and, and, and you can get to pharmacopoeia, you know, all kinds of drugs, cocktails being created and so forth. And I have concerns about that. So,
0: yeah. So that's why we're going to be doing some experiential exercises in the next couple episodes. (laughs) Stay tuned, keep listening, and you can connect with Peter in the notes below. Thanks again for starting us off in this series.
1: Well, it has been uh, really a pleasure to be with you, Drew. So excited that you are interested in this and that you've brought together men who want to become husband material, like who want to, you know, I just love the name of your podcast. I just love the idea that you've got guys coming together, you know, that are serious about working on these issues because uh, we We really need that. We really need that in our world. We really need that in Christianity. Guys that are willing to to put the work in and willing to love themselves and to hear the call and to even see the struggle as a gift, as an opportunity. You know, St. Paul tells us all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Even these struggles can bring us closer to God if we understand them in the right way. So,
0: Amen. All right. Yeah. So if you guys have questions or thoughts, join the Husband Material community and let us know. Always remember, you are God's beloved son. In you,
1: he is well-pleased.